This is the Social Pros Podcast, the weekly show for real people doing real work in social media. With your host, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, and featuring Jeff Roars, Nick Cicero from Expian, and great guests from the world of social media and content marketing. Social Pros is sponsored by Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company, Expian, Janray, powering personalized marketing with customer profile management, and Cision. Ready to learn from the pros? Let's get to work. Welcome back, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined, as usual, by my pals Jeffrey K. Roars, Esquire from Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company, and Nick Cicero from Xbeyond Boys. How are you? Doing well. I'm doing well. Looking forward to seeing uh, some combination of you in person relatively soon. Uh, Jeff, I'll see you in Cleveland at Content Marketing World. Not sure if I'll see you there, Nick, but I got to see you recently anyway at Social Fresh. So, so we're good for. Although I am coming to New York uh, tomorrow, but I don't think I'll get a chance to run into you. Yeah, well, let me know if you will. One of these, one of these times, we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll do New York upright. So. Uh, as I mentioned last week at the close of the show with uh, Jay Cooney from Omni Hotels, I'm really fired up about this week's show uh, because we're going to turn the tables on the Social Pros format a little bit. And instead of talking to, uh, to somebody from a, a, a brand using social media, we're going to talk to somebody who created their own brand using social media. And that person, ladies and gentlemen, is Jenny Roars. Now, her name may be familiar to you because it is the same name as our erstwhile co-host, Jeff Roars. But in fact, Jenny Roars... The wife of Jeff Roars is a social media superstar. She is the proprietor of a fantastic blog uh, and emerging multi-channel media company called Craft Test Dummies. So if you want to get your craft on, she is one of the leading lights in that industry. Jenny, thanks so much for being on the show. Well, Jay, thank you so much for having me. I'm blushing. You flatter me. So tell us a little bit about how you got here, right? I'm like, shaking with <laughs> yeah, and all all the questions you sent me, Jeff. I, as you know, I won't ask any of those. Um, so, <laughs> they're just an exercise for you. So, Jenny, tell us a little bit about how you got here. So, how do you go from you know having a job and a family and kind of doing your thing, and then hey, you know what I should do? I should be a global crafting blogging superstar. How does that happen? Um, it's an interesting circuitous path. I think it starts with just doing something that you love and that you're passionate about. So after working as a music therapist, board certified for 15 years, uh, we had a life change, life intervention, if you will, and um, I needed to stay home for a while. And after about six months, I was really finding that I was turning to my passion, crafting and DIY. And um, I wanted a community because that's one of the things I really missed about not having a day job was that community of like-minded people. So what do you do? But you turn to social channels. And so I started a blog and shortly thereafter built the social channels around that. And with the mission statement of just, you know, doing what you love and let the people come, that is what's happened. And and over what period of time are we talking about, Jenny? From from when you started um, the blog to sort of where you're at today, what is the what is the span of time? Uh, we're about six years in now. Yeah, that's fantastic. From, and from it's the blog uh, origination. 
And I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that your experience has been somewhat similar to my experience. And we started about the same time uh, with our respective blogs. It's been kind of a steady march. There wasn't really a detonation event to the degree that you were kind of trucking along and then something happened and all of a sudden your traffic quadrupled for some reason that it's sort of month over month just got bigger and bigger and bigger and all of a sudden it's a thing. Yeah, it's funny that, you know, the old slow and steady wins the race uh, mantra is kind of true for me in the blogosphere. There was definitely no viral YouTube video that made me an overnight sensation. Rather, it was just building content and being um, steady in, in having a schedule for a regular output and, you know, just one thing at a time. Uh, there were a couple of major spikes. Um, I had a moment where StumbleUpon found a particular post, and all of a sudden I had a bunch of people, of course, you know, being StumbleUpon, they came and they saw, and then they kind of trickled away, but it just helped, um, you know, build the, the audience slowly over time. Can you give us a sense of, uh, in addition to the blog, of course, crafttestdummies.com, but what are the other... Uh, pieces of your empire. Obviously, you've got a, a a Pinterest program because you know you couldn't do that, uh, couldn't not have Pinterest in the crafting world. Uh, what, what what other elements are you working on today? You know, it, um, ones that I weren't necessarily going to think were going to be popular. So actually, the first piece that kind of took off socially was Twitter. Um, and I did not necessarily plan that Twitter would be a fairly sizable audience for a crafter, but they're there, and it's a wonderful way to communicate. So I have a fairly sizable Twitter audience, and then, of course, YouTube. And uh, I, I have to admit, I kind of neglected my YouTube channel for the first three or four years. I just had little videos that I shot here and there on my cell phone and at conferences. And really, about a year and a half ago, I said, hold on a minute. There are a lot more people here than I thought would be here, and I need to pay attention to that and so I kind of put a strategy in place for a regular schedule for creating visual content and um, it's it's doubled in the past 18 months Wow congratulations that's pretty fantastic uh, on the on the blog itself I know you have contributors now who who, who write posts you're not writing all the posts yourself was that always the case did you always have contributors or, or how did you uh, or when did you sort of make that switch and say, hey, it's not necessarily Jenny's blog. It's a thing that requires multiple people to contribute to it. Yeah, it's it's craft test dummies, right? That's plural. And actually, that's one of the things at the very beginning when Jeff and I were kind of brainstorming about the blog, um, you know, having that open, having it open for being more than just my voice, but other people who were passionate about crafts and craft products. A lot of my content is craft product reviews. We actually take a look at a craft product and test it out the way people would at home and give them an idea before they purchase it. So kind of a consumer reports for the at-home crafter. So there's definitely room for just more than my opinion, and I can't possibly review every product down the pike. I just can't, and I don't do every craft. Uh, so I think we were about three years in, and I was starting to go to the trade shows. And again, one body on a trade show floor is not nearly as effective as having three or four bodies on the trade show floor. So that be kind of came um, the golden ticket. If you would want to come and write for Craft Test Dummies, you can come to the trade show, see all the cool behind-the-scenes stuff, and and then in return contribute some articles to to the site itself. And that seems to be a pretty equitable trade, um, both you know for traffic and links. Now I encourage all of my contributors to 
write the review on craft test dummies, but then link to the tutorials on their own sites so that it really is equitable in sharing audience and link juice and, and you know, keeping people moving around. Are those tutorials in, in video or are they sort of step-by-step walkthroughs? The ones that I do, almost everything I do now has a video component yeah. just because I find that, of course, crafters are visual people and they really want to see. Um, my individual contributors, that's their decision for what they want to do on their sites. If they want to add a video, that's great. And if they don't, then that's okay too. Are, are brands in the crafting industry... Always pictures though. Always yeah, pictures. of course. Sure, sure. Are, are brands sending you all the products to review now? Is that how that how that works? I would say about 85% of the products that we review in the blog are coming from brands. Again, you show up at the, at the trade show with your business card and, you know, your statistics in hand. Everybody wants to know what your audience is like over, you know, multiple channels. Um, we've gotten the credibility that, yeah, people want uh, to send things to us so that they show up on the YouTube channel and on the blog. Um, there's still things that I really want to try out, and I don't have a contact at that brand. or And so I just go out and I buy it because I like it. So are you making all kinds of craft projects every day? Is is the Roars household festooned with uh, crafting projects at this point? <laughs> um, I would say the third floor of the Roars household. That's my art and craft studio. And so I try and keep most of the craftiness happening upstairs. It's funny because when you walk through the house, you won't necessarily see a gajillion crafty items through the house. I keep it mostly contained upstairs, but uh, the, it's um, a logistical nightmare, frankly, some days to keep track of what's coming in and what reviews I've done and then what I'm sending out to other people to review and then keeping track with that. So I've had to really uh, develop some different tracking skills and organizational skills just to stay on top of, of what's coming in and what's going out and when things are due. So what kind of tools are you using to Stay on top of all that. I am really trying to learn how to use my calendars better on Google, um, but I still like an old-fashioned paper calendar. And uh, I have a little list of what goes out and when. when. When product comes in, I have a little list so that I try and get things in an approximate order, you know, to make sure that something that somebody sent me three months ago actually gets done first rather than the thing that came in yesterday. But, you know, everything is subject to change. I don't accept money for my reviews. People do not pay me to review their product. You can send the product in, but I do not guarantee a glowing review. I will never be mean, uh, but I have to be honest. And I think that having an authentic voice is really what resonates um, with the people who read my blog and watch my YouTube videos. They want to know that if I'm really excited, it's because I'm really excited. And if uh, you know I'm not so overwhelmed with the product, I'll tell you why and, and how hopefully a workaround, how you can make it better. So you haven't gotten paid by the brands, but you were hired by a craft company to actually represent their product on Home Shopping Network. Can you talk a little bit about how that happened? Yeah, uh, again, having uh, the blog and the YouTube channel really have opened up a world of opportunities that just never would have happened otherwise. I just can't, it's like this living online resume of mine. Uh, people know that I'm enthusiastic about crafts and crafting and that I can talk about it and my hands can move at the same time, which is, by the way, a whole different skill. Being able to talk and 
have your hands move and demonstrate at the same time or, or not necessarily built into people. Um, and so I was found by a local company that supplies HSN with their own private line of craft supplies. And they asked me if I would be interested in being an on-air reviewer and, and demonstrator. Um, I don't I didn't, I didn't use my craft test dummies brand with them because it was morally just, you know, Jenny uh, showing you the product. Um, but, yeah, I had a year contract with them, and I got to go down and do seven minutes of live TV at a time, which is kind of crazy at all hours of the day and night. Um, but that was a direct result of what I had built at crafttestdummies.com and the YouTube channel. Yeah, I mean, the videos that you have on YouTube are pretty awesome. I mean, I was just looking through some of them before. Um, I think that they're great. Uh, how did you kind of come from your early beginnings of shooting and kind of improving and doing different types of video content on your site? Like, how did you evolve that process? Oh, that is a great question. And mostly it's trial and error. And and by watching other YouTube videos and going, you know what, I really want my videos to look more like X. Um, in the early days, it was just maybe shooting some things with a flip camera or a cell phone, and there was no editing. It was just all, like super quick and dirty with whatever available light was there and, and whatever. Um, and then after, you know, kind of doing it for a while, it's like, oh, I would really love to have a little intro or I'd really, I need to have a talking head. And frankly, that's when I started to see my subscriptions really um, uptick when I started doing a little talking head introduction and saying, hi, I'm Jenny Barnett Roars from Craft Test Dummies. That's when people started going, oh, you're a real person. You're not just, you know, a voice and some fingernails. So um, trial and error and learning as I go, and uh, I've really actually been enjoying it. I'm finding that I love to create the video content and edit it down and, and make it more watchable and, um, you know, just make it tighter, make it really good content. Not just, hey, it's content and it's free, but, like, good and watchable and valuable. Uh, Mrs. Roars, I have a question for you. Uh, Jeff Roars, great husband or greatest husband? Greatest. Of all time. That is the correct answer. That's the correct um, answer. Well, and mostly I have to say it's because uh, Jeff has been kind of, uh, I would say, cheering me on, but also nudging me forward and saying, you know, you really could do this. You really need to do some more of that. And seeing a bigger picture for me than even I saw initially. Um, it's like, oh, well, nobody will want me to do this because, you know, I'm a music therapist. What do I know? And he goes, no, you know, and you have been doing. And so when I was hired by uh, a national crafting company to do their blog and run their social channels and actually build their blog and social channels, uh, he predicted that six months before I ever thought it would happen. Wow, I wasn't even fishing for a compliment, and that came out. I'm, I'm very excited about this part of the interview now. Um, <laughs> so, Maybe I'll get dinner tonight. A, I'm very pleased that our Wi-Fi is holding up with two concurrent streams in this recording. That's very exciting. Um, but B, you know, it's it's been fabulous to watch you, you grow this over time. Um, I'm interested in um, your, your take on... Um, the way that brands can best interact with bloggers who, you know, have passion projects like this, who are seeking to monetize, who are seeking to, uh, you know, make a, a, a living off of it. But um, you've seen some some pretty fabulous missteps over the years. Can you share any of those with us? I, I've seen some of those missteps in the past 48 hours, actually. Oh. Um, so that's a, it, it, this is a whole topic that I have become very passionate about and in, in I feel like I just want to, you know, walk around with a billboard around my neck saying, brands, 
please pay attention. So having having YouTube channel and and the blog, I get these you know kind of blank. They feel like phishing emails, but it's like dearcrafttestings.com. We really enjoy your website. We would love to place a link. And I think who are these people that? A, would think that I am just interested in, you know, placing your follow link for nothing, or, you know, B, I feel bad for the bloggers who maybe don't have the savvy yet to know what is a uh, a supportive relationship with a brand and what is a usury relationship with a brand. And I'm not saying that you always need to pay cash money to bloggers to talk about your product, but it has to be something that is supportive and mutually beneficial. So uh, when I get these kind of random emails that I can tell you haven't you haven't looked at my blog, you don't know what my content really is. Um, I'm just I kind of write that off. I respond to you know emails that say you know Jenny, I liked this post and this post and this post, and we think that we'd be a great fit for either sharing content or advertising, and we'd like to speak with you further. Because I'm, I'm happy to have advertisers. Trust me, bloggers want to take your money. Uh, but we want to do it in a way that is authentic with our audience and dovetails with our content. And I'm not going to write about Cool Whip and mouthwash on Craft Test Dummies. It's just not going to happen. That doesn't make sense. If you want to talk about ways I can use maybe a non-crafting product in the craft room, I'm your gal. You know, as you share that, those kind of thoughts, it strikes me that you're getting emails from both brands and their agencies. Absolutely. And often the agencies are the ones who are kind of ham-handed in their approach. Uh, and you, correct me if I'm wrong, you sometimes wonder if the brand even knows what the agency is asking you to do. Uh, well, and I can't, I can't paint everybody with the same brush because actually right now I am working with an agency for uh, a national brand and they are marvelous. They totally get that bloggers have their own voice and their own content ideas and their own audiences, and we need to speak to our audiences. They understand that we can be brand advocates without necessarily being puppets. So it, it kind of depends on who's, who's just in place, right? Whether it's in the brand or in the agency, if those um, professionals, those industry professionals, have an idea what the blogosphere can do for you and, and a respect for the content that bloggers create every day because we love to do it, not because necessarily somebody's paying us to. So my last question before handing back over to Jay is, um, you mentioned um, the, uh, the interesting um, uh, stumble upon post. Mm -hmm. I want you to share with folks what that post was because I think, I think that thing's like four years old now and how it, it keeps kind of coming back, that StumbleUpon keeps coming around, because we don't talk a lot about that channel on social pros, but it's interesting how it's been a recurring uh, traffic driver for you. Absolutely. StumbleUpon is um, kind of the cat came back, just wouldn't stay away. So about four years ago, I did a post, uh, and it was a tutorial. It was a step-out tutorial on doing a wine glass with glass etching cream. And at the time, I was on Weight Watchers, and you can only have like four fluid ounces of wine. I don't know who can only drink four fluid ounces of wine, but if you want to stick to the plan, you need to know what that amount is. So hence the etched wine glass that shows you how much that is. Um, and it got stumbled. And I want to say it was like 10,000 page views in a day for that post. And oh my gosh, what a spike on my analytics screen, right? Um, 
and then, you know, like I said, it kind of filtered back through the algorithm and, and kind of just perked along. Uh, but StumbleUpon has come back into my top 10 referring sources in the past four months. Um, you know, obviously Pinterest is the number one referrer for most people with visual content like mine, but StumbleUpon has kind of crept back up, and, and I appreciate that. Um, so many people will find me through search because they're looking for a particular product or a particular tutorial, which is great. But um, having those kind of like random drop-ins, uh, I think, you know, hopefully will convert to some longer-term uh, subscribers. Jenny, how purposeful are you about SEO? Are you, when you're creating content for the blog, are, are you thinking about search terms in the headline, in the body, alt image tags, those kind of things, or, or do you just have such a large collection now of high-quality content that Google blesses you with that traffic? Uh, no, I have to be honest. I'm totally paying attention to that. Uh, I try to think of search terms that you know my audience would use. Um, so you know, sometimes the technical term for a product or a tool is not the one that people actually use in day-to-day -day vernacular. So I try to keep that in mind. Um, but I do have I use WordPress as my blogging platform of choice, and I do have um, an SEO tool built in. I do an all-in-one SEO and then I use a Yoast plugin on occasion uh, just so that I can make sure that I have hit all of those bases. And I think it's really important um, for a blogger who wants to be, you know, a professional blogger or, or taken seriously. If you want to take this seriously, you need to be paying attention to the SEO and make sure that those alt tags are there and that your photos also have the right tags and that you just make it a habit of going down the checklist. After a while, it becomes second nature. and You don't necessarily need those tools anymore, but it's good training. When you look at your overall crafting empire, there's lots of different statistics and measures that you could examine and say, yeah, this is going pretty well or that's going pretty well. But within that array of data points, what are the numbers that you really pay attention to and say, yeah, we're, we're on track here as an organization? Um, let's see. I'm not sure exactly how to answer that. I think I'm reviewing my Google Analytics and I'm taking a look at which posts seem to be resonating with folks, um, and then also my YouTube content. So, for example, uh, in the last week, I've posted two different videos um, within like a three-day span. One was a tutorial for a kid's craft, and the other was what I'm calling my craft room confessionals. So what are the dirty little secrets of, you know, people in their craft rooms or their craft studios? And um, just as a, a measurable point, I had about 350 views on the tutorial in 48 hours, and I had over 1,000 views in the confessional in the in 48 hours and 125 thumbs ups on that. So, you know, obviously you have to kind of gauge your audience and see what is resonating with comments as well as with analytics. And then, you know, base my next move will obviously another craft room confessional is already in the works. What are you confessing to? <laughs> it kind of depends. Um, I really wanted to set that series up as a way of communicating with the audience. So um, I might say, this is one of my favorite tools, or uh, my last one was, I'm a bag lady. Sometimes I will actually go shopping and I'll buy things, and then I put it down and I kind of forget 
that I have those items there because I'm so busy moving on to the next deadline. And then I go back and I rediscover it like a week or a month later. That And there it is, still sitting in the bag, waiting to be used. Uh, and that, that resonates with people. Um, also, I have opened it up for questions. And so a lot of folks have seen my card catalogs. I use old recycled library card catalogs in my studio for storage. And people want to know, well, what's in the drawers? How do you store your stamp pads? How do you keep your paints fresh? Um, and so I'm also soliciting comments on those videos from, from my YouTube audience and hopefully giving them, you know, answering questions that they need answered and giving them the content that they need. Do you have other uh, sort of program types like the confessionals uh, that you're that you're pondering. So kind of creating other series, almost uh, as if you had your your own channel that has you know a show from one o'clock to two o'clock and another show from two o'clock to three o'clock. Are you thinking through that that concept of okay, what what's what's another package that I can put out there? Yes, absolutely. And that is kind of a, a way of thinking about blog posts, right? You might think, okay, well, on Monday, I'm going to do a review, and on Tuesday, I'm going to do a tutorial, and then three, I'm going to post other people's content. I'm going to share another tutorial and another blog for some good, you know, internet karma. Um, you know, so I think bloggers fairly frequently use little mind templates uh, so that they can come up with easy content you don't have to oh what am I going to do today well you know it's Monday so Monday I do with this and I really in the last six months started thinking about YouTube that way and in looking at my tags and my playlists and again what is resonating so have you ever heard of a haul video Jay you know what a haul video is no, I don't think so Okay, so in the tech world, there's a lot of unboxing videos where it's like, I got my brand new thing, I'm going to unbox sure, it for you. Sure, So a haul video is what normal people do when they go shopping. So they might go to a, a big box store or a craft store or an outlet store, and they go shopping. And when they come back, they, they unbox it or they share their haul. And oh. this is what I bought, and this was on sale, and this is why I bought it, and maybe I'll use it, maybe I won't, right? But it's very informal, it's very conversational, and they're also wildly popular. So you, now you start thinking ahead, okay, well, if once a month I do a haul video, and then once a week I do my, my video review, and then I do my video tutorial series, and uh, I do some crafting for charity, so once a month I try to make sure I have uh, one of those videos up. And it's just really interesting to start thinking about the different ways you can segment your video content and, and then backfill it and create it so you're not scrambling for how to create the content. It's kind of there. I have a question. How do you stay um, relevant to your audience when you're kind of creating all this stuff, when you're also doing these different kinds of videos and you're in the world of knowing that this is a business? So how do you continue like, to stay creative yourself? Are you asking how I fill my creative well? I'm sorry. My microphone is a little bit muffled. Um, how do you stay creative personally when you're going to do these haul videos but knowing that you're kind of creating content for advertising to other people at the end of the day? Like, How do you continue to stay original to yourself? Well, you know, actually only a small percentage of my content is actually sponsored content. Almost everything I do is because I like to do it, because I'm interested myself. So as a craft product reviewer, because that's really what Craft Testimonies was founded as, is this, you know, how does it work type of idea. Um, I do things like swatch testing, and I'll just sit down and I just experiment and play with the product. You know, how does it work on different substrates, and how does it work... Uh, in, with different temperatures or with different textures. Um, and for me, just that open-ended experimentation time 
really gives me a lot of ideas. And frankly, sometimes I'll be working with one product, but because I come up with a technique or, or a, just just a little shard of thought will make me think, oh my gosh, I could be doing something different with this other product. Um, and then maybe I go, okay, well, there's something I could do. I should approach this brand about making a video for them because it's a really great idea. I think open-ended playtime is, is def and daydreaming time and doodling time for a creative person is really necessary. You have to have downtime where you can just explore uh, and daydream so that you can then put those daydreams into action plans and then cross things off a to-do list. Well said. All right, Jenny, we're going to ask you the two big questions that we ask everybody on the Social Pros Podcast. And thanks again for being part of the show. Jenny Roars from crafttestdummies.com and coming to a YouTube viewing station near you. Question number one, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? Well, I think the number one tip is listen and observe. For me, each social channel is like a different kind of party. And you have to kind of dip your, you have to come into the party and see what the music's like and how people are dancing and what's being served before you start trying to participate. Um, and I think that YouTube is definitely its own channel. Twitter is its own channel. And, and understanding how they work and then working within those systems is is the best thing you can do. So, yeah, watch and observe and listen and then integrate. And the last question, which Jeff may have prepped you on, uh, if you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why, other than Jeff Roars? Hmm. Well, fortunately, I don't have to Skype with Jeff Roars because I see him fairly frequently. Good point. Although Good point. sometimes when he travels, maybe not so much. Yes. Um, oh my gosh, Jamie, I was not prepped on this one. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, what, um, kind of, what kind of co-host is he? That's not, not good performance on the hosting side. I know, I, I think he likes this. I think he likes... Uh, hey, I got... I made, I made sure she had the Yeti microphone plugged in. What else am I supposed to do? <laughs> Mission accomplished. Um, well, you know, probably... I think the easy answer would be, um, you know, craft superstar like uh, Martha Stewart. I'm very interested in her, mostly because she took something really simple, like catering out of her kitchen, and she created an empire that spun off TV shows and magazines, and uh, that's a, that's a whole different skill set than bacon pies, my friends. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think it would be really interesting to Skype with Martha and just find out, you know, how she how she built. Because that I, there's definitely some things I'd want to emulate there. That's a great answer, and what not one we have had on the show in the past, as you might imagine. She also survived prison in sort of an orange is the new black kind of way. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, and, and actually came out more popular than before, I think. Yeah, which is not easy to do. Let's yes. let's work on that, Nick. Let's get somebody. Let's get let's get somebody from Martha Stewart on the show. Let's do that. What sending my sending my wife to prison? Is that what you want to work on? That's that's what we need. We need a documentary show, uh, behind the scenes. Oh, um, you know, craft test behind bars, something like yeah. that. Yeah, oh, I was going to say prisoncrafts.com. Jeff, you better go buy that URL right now. That URL has got to be taken. I'm going to look that up right now. That's got to be taken. Prisoncrafts.com has got to be great. Yeah, how to make a shiv? Yeah, that's, exactly. You're very good at that. Exactly with like Google with googly eyes. I had a decorative handle. Yeah, googly eyes.
You know what? I have to tell you, Jay, before I let you go, that when Orange is the New Black came back out on Netflix, there were a number of bloggers who did Orange is the New Black inspired crafts, like, and how to make duct tape flip flops and, uh, you know, things like that. That happens. That's how crafters get inspired is we see pop culture. We know that things are going to be Googled. And then we think, oh, my gosh, how can I make that? Well, what's interesting about that is, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about real-time marketing and brands sort of trying to ride the hashtag, as Gary Vaynerchuk calls it, you know, and they're, and they're mm-hmm. making some cutesy uh, Instagram photo or funny tweet uh, in real time. You guys are going way past that. Like, hey, let me make a real-time craft. Uh, that, yeah. that requires a little more effort as opposed to just like knocking out a, an image in Canva. You're, you're actually like, hey, let me make some flip-flops and we whip that together. That That is an impressive set of skills. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it happens within 24 hours. Um, for example, there was also a bunch of folks who were working on Shark Week. Like, oh, my gosh, it's Sharknado. There were people who came up with a Sharknado costume in like 24 hours because they knew that people would start – uh, you know, thinking of, of funny crafts and, and Halloween costumes and little party snacks. Um, and, and that's really one. If you would, like, categorize a craft blogger, what our superpower is, it's the ability to see a trend, identify it as being popular or potentially popular, and then creating content before it's even broken big. Yeah. Well, it certainly helps from a search standpoint and a variety standpoint, right, to to, to have that content flag planted uh, before everybody even knows it's worthy of being planted. That That is a, a very wise approach. So my challenge to you, uh, Jenny Roars, is to create the official social prose craft in the next 24 hours. Well, uh, actually, you've got a little longer because uh, we're recording a week early on your episode. So uh, if you come up with something, you let us know. We'll, uh, we'll embed it into the blog post, et cetera. Okay, I'll see what I can do. All right, excellent. Uh, flip flops would be fine. You know, flip flops made out of uh, uh, made out of old MacBooks would be just great. That's that's. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about dressing up my Yeti. Would that be a good thing to do? Like, you know, customize your microphone or something. Uh, a microphone cozy. That would be fantastic. I like that. <laughs> I'll send you the logo. Okay. All right, fantastic. Thanks, Jay. Uh, you bet. All right, gents, uh, I'm going to uh, pay some bills here myself, and then we'll get into uh, the rest of the show. Uh, I want to remind the folks at home, our loyal listeners to Social Pros, that this podcast, this very podcast that you are listening to, is brought to you by the good people at Exact Target, a salesforce.com company. Uh, I told you about this last week, and if you didn't get a chance to download it then, you should absolutely download it this week. It's the new uh, free ebook from Exact Target called Four Basic Steps to Add Social Media to Success successful campaigns. It shows you a great method to take what you're already doing, the marketing that you're already engaged in, and then how to add a social layer, social frosting, if you will, uh, on top of it. Very wise. It's a, it's an outstanding book. Grab that right now. As I mentioned, it's free. You can get it at bit.ly slash add social media. That's bit.ly slash ADD social media. And that's all lower case. The podcast is also brought to you by the good folks at XBion, which specializes in complex social media challenges. So if you're an organization, maybe you're in higher ed, or you're a franchise group, or you have um, operations in multiple countries, uh, those kind of things, you've got lots of people participating in your social media program. You need a sophisticated platform to keep that straight and a platform that's going to give you a lot of different looks at your analytics. And that's one of the things that personally I think Xbeyond does best is their new version, which just rolled out recently, gives you the ability to automatically create different analytics reports based on where the person who's consuming that data is in the organization. So there's like a tactical analytics report, an operational level analytics report, a strategic level analytics report, and sort of a director level analytics report. Really, really smart. Check that out. It's a great 
uh, piece of, of software. Uh, so go to xpion.com, E-X-P-I-O-N.com, uh, and kick the tires. You will be glad you did. If you haven't uh, taken a look at that um, platform, I seriously suggest that you give it a shot. Uh, all the folks who listen to Social Pros uh, should be doing that. Okay, so Mr. Roars, in honor of your wife, the fabulous and talented Jenny Roars being the, the guest this week, we're going to start with you. What is the social media number of the week? So the number this week is 15,526,516,194, and that is the total number of page views across WordPress hosted subdomain, domain, and blogs that use their Jetpack plugin. Total number of page views, over 15 billion. And that just scratches the surface of the it, over what Over course. what period of time is that, Jeff? Sites like my wife's, which are... That's just July of 2014. Wow. 15 billion page views. And again, it's just scratching the surface because, you know, blogs like my wife's... Um, you know that are that are hosted on their own are not included unless they include that that Jetpack plugin, and and the reason I share that and we'll have a link to this on the website. Uh, WordPress has a really good stats page, and um, you know I think that uh, just as podcasting is kind of having a renaissance, I think blogging is is having its own and is due for even greater attention because with WordPress and other blogging sites making it much easier to mobilize your content. Um, you know, it it means that that content can be consumed anywhere and everywhere. And um, I think, you know, Jenny's example is that of somebody who was, you know, a passionate consumer who wanted to help others. And uh, blogs continue to be really kind of the best place to aggregate that content if you're a creator. Um, social media has, you know, taken some pieces of that content. But uh, I, I find, and, and Jay, I'm interested in your thoughts with all your travels, Nick, yours as well. You know, do you see people returning to, you know, blogs as kind of that repository, as that magnetic center? Um, because if you do look at that traffic page on WordPress, you will see that that June 2014 figure of 15 billion is about 42% higher, or I'm sorry, July 2014 is about 42% higher than it was last July. So we're still seeing seismic growth of traffic um, to WordPress blogs, and I'm wondering if maybe that plays out across the blogosphere. You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I mean, certainly. Go ahead, Nick. I would say, yeah, I definitely think that I'm seeing more and more people who I didn't think were starting blogs or who may ever start blogs um, creating blogs. And so I started blogging in 2007. And ever since then, uh, I think that I was like kind of on my own. Obviously, people who are in my direct industries, I think there are some people here and there you'd meet. But now more and more I see a lot more people creating sites and even different elements on WordPress too than uh, than I think ever before, like creating and just creating websites to put their photos up to. So I think that there's kind of a utility element that, that different sites like WordPress can hold for a lot of different people, and even though it's not always in terms of creating and writing, but I think it does offer them that extra space to put up anything that they want to put up. I, I certainly, I certainly feel like we are seeing blogs pull traffic away from mainstream media sites, and also WordPress itself has gotten powerful enough that it's more appropriate in more use cases than it used to be. I mean, you see lots and lots of of sites now, big sites, 
that are running on WordPress where not that long ago, you're like, yeah, that's got to be a custom build or on a much more robust uh, content management system. So some of it, I think, is just the, the growth and the stability of WordPress as, as a platform that it's almost become, I don't want to say it's a default play, but for a lot of use cases, it really is. There's so many developers, there's such an ecosystem around WordPress. It's, it's definitely the path of least resistance. So I think that's part of it. But I also feel like you've got a, a great angle on this, Jeff, that in this era where we spend so much time, perhaps too much time in my estimation, thinking about the spokes, thinking about what are we doing on Facebook? What are we doing on Twitter? What are we doing on Pinterest? What are we doing on Instagram? We, we, we spend a lot of time worrying about the spokes. But at the end of the day, strategically, what really matters is the hub. Because you can't make a living on on you know retweets, but you sure as hell can make a living off a blog or off email subscribers. And again, these are the principles that you talk about so eloquently in your book, Audience. But uh, at, you know the blog is the center of gravity uh, for for many organizations. Now, that's not always true. You look at somebody like Jenny, who has a very successful blog, but also has a very successful YouTube channel. A case could be made that today she has dual centers of gravity, and perhaps down the road, the YouTube channel becomes more important than the blog. I mean, that is not sure. outside the realm of, of possibility. In fact, it's funny, as you were just talking about your stat, I looked over on my uh, Facebook stream, and uh, there's a post there from Shell Holtz, uh, who said, uh, uh, posted a link that said that there's a new study uh, that shows that uh, YouTube celebrities are actually more popular among American teens than regular celebrities, which is really interesting. Oh, there's, uh, there's a great article, uh, I want to say it was in the New York Times, about VidCon and just the, the cult of celebrity um, that Vine has created. I mean, just the six-second video format. So I think we are hitting upon something important, and that is there, there are stars being made and yet to be made that will never, ever have a blog. But where blogging becomes, I think, critically important is around this area of expertise and around, you know, community, uh, around, um, you know, kind of uh, the, 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 the um, creative drivers uh, of a, a number of different industries. And so... Um, yeah, there's there's more channels than ever to you know kind of uh, create stardom, uh, but uh, yet again, it's it's a reminder that you know just because it's old doesn't mean it's passe. There's still a lot of strength there in the blogging platform. Well, sure, and even among success, you know, it's it's almost like you know television didn't kill radio; uh, it just augments it. And, and and whatever platform you're popular on. You always want to get pl popular on the next platform. It's like it's like actors wanting to be rock stars and rock stars wanting to be you know sports athletes. Yeah. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Like, so if you have a popular blog, you want to be good on YouTube, and if you're good on YouTube, you want to be on television. Yeah, you know yeah, what's interesting exactly. about that though is you know I think about like um, Bruce Willis, right, or Eddie Murphy, both of whom had uh, albums, right? They wanted to be rock stars, and uh, those albums sold kind of well, but they're known for their thing. And so I wonder if that, that pursuit of trying to build the next audience, if you're going to see some boomerangs where people realize this channel is right for them. Um, yeah, just I, think, I think that everybody's going to have their sweet spot. Um, you know what I mean? And I think that a lot of people would say that Eddie Murphy early on was more of a stand-up comedian and then you know transformed into this movie star all over. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think that you're going to always have your bread and butter. But if you can expand, I think that looking at Vine and other short-form video channels and YouTube like that, they're all generally the same type of, even though they have different audiences, they're still in the same type of production schedule. I mean, these, these Vine 
these uh, Vine celebrities are spending hours and hours in a day working to get these different shots right to, to make an impact. So I think a lot of that is very similar and just, just kind of evolving and translating. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're going to have to find the channel which I think is serving you best for your audience. Let me remind... So let's uh, we'll get Nick queued up for Holy Social here, and we'll close out the show. Before we do that, I want to make sure everybody knows that this show is brought to you by Formstack. Uh, Formstack is a great way to uh, build and test and optimize online forms. Probably everybody listening to the show has one or more online forms. I certainly do. I use Formstack for some of the things that uh, we're working on at convinceaconvert.com. And also, um, probably going to plug in Formstack on our brand new website, which launches, uh, technically soft launches in about two weeks after this comes out, uh, called marketingpodcasts.com. So marketingpodcasts.com is going to be a discovery engine for marketing podcasts. So if you like the show, you probably do if you're listening to the show, and thank you for doing so. Uh, maybe you're interested in other marketing podcasts. You'll be able to go to marketingpodcast.com, uh, pick a category, pick a show length, etc., and we will recommend shows too. We're also going to do a whole series of podcast reviews, uh, sort of like you would see in Rolling Stone or Pitchfork or Spin, uh, that kind of thing. So really, really excited about that new project. Uh, stay tuned for more on that. So back to Formstack. Uh, great guys, super easy to work with. Like You do not need to know anything about technology in order to create and optimize a form stack form. It's awesome. They have a really terrific new free download called the Form Conversion Benchmark Report. So what they did is they took data from 400,000 Formstack customers to figure out what really works in online forms. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence about that, even some research, but this is 400,000 customers. They said, look, if you want to maximize the conversion rate on your form, do this. They have one thing in there. It's a quick little tip that can just doing this one thing, this blows me away, right? Just doing this one thing can increase your conversion rates by up to 250%. You got to download this. Even if you're not in charge of forms or whatever at your company, download it and give it to the person who is. It's at bit.ly slash form conversion. That's bit.ly slash form conversion, all lowercase. And the show is brought to you by Cision, the leading provider of software services and tools to the public relations industry. Uh, if you need to know all the key media and important influencers in your industry, Cision can absolutely help with that. It's funny, we talked about StumbleUpon uh, with Jenny. One of the other things that Cision can do is help you amplify your content. So if you need to uh, do some promoted content on StumbleUpon, on Taboola, on Outbrain, uh, all those kind of uh, tools that you see at the bottom of blogs. Uh, Cision has a, a component in their software that lets you buy across all of those platforms with just a click. And you can also do some multivariate testing, some A-B testing, etc., some optimize your spend. Uh, it's really slick. It saves you a ton of time. So if you haven't seen that feature, you should check it out. It's Cision's content uh, amplification uh, tactic. Uh, the other thing they have is a free download called Six Tips on How to Amplify Your Content. They talk about that, um, stumble upon and Outbrain and Taboola, but five other tips as well. So grab that if you haven't uh, so far. It's a free download from Cision, Six Tips to Amplify Your Content. You can get that at bit.ly slash Amplify Cision. That's bit.ly slash Amplify Cision. And Cision is spelled C-I-S-I-O-N. Okay, Nick, what is this week's Holy Social? All right, so playing up the Shark Week theme as we record this, it is, it is Shark Week in full swing. And, and while I'm not going to talk about all the brands who are jumping on the bandwagon, I want to talk about one interesting app from Travelocity. So the site How Far Am I From Sharks Right Now.com is being put together by Travelocity, and it basically allows you to 
you know, use your browser's geolocation filter to show you, uh, or your geotagging filter to show you where um, where sharks are closest to you, wherever you are in the country. And so if you pull up the website, it tells you basically all the different things, all the different locations, and you can actually click in on that location and book a hotel room right from this web app right now. So it's kind of interesting and a really fun way to combine Shark Week, but then also combine what the actual Travelocity can do for you. Uh, I'm basically kind of playing up that Shark Week theme, and they're also running a lot of great social content around that, around their roaming gnome handle as well. Uh, I'm actually, I found an article right here from Digiday that says, since launching Friday, the campaign has led to 32,000 total Twitter engagements and site visits, according to the agency that put this together. Nicely done. Good job, Travelocity. That, that gnome is right. You know, the Shark Week thing is, fascinates me. Uh, I, I feel like there should be a blog post written, or maybe it's a one-act play, that we discover that Shark Week was, you know, devised by like the PR firm for sharks, like they have an association, uh, you know, and that this is all like a, a, a ruse. Because you think about this, right? This is a commercial product by a television network, which is owned by a giant corporate conglomerate. And then other companies are proactively using their own social graph to promote that thing. I mean, when you start taking Shark Week kind of out of context and look at it, it's, it's frigging amazing, like, is, is there anything more successful uh, than Shark Week in that sort of style of promotion? It is absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I can never remember when it is Shark Week. I'm glad you told me because I, I did not know that it was Shark Week. There needs to be one of those websites, you know, that just does one thing, which is like, is it sharkweek.com, right? And it just tells you yes or no. That does not exist, but I hope somebody builds that in the next 10 minutes. Actually, there is. Uh, is it sharkweek.com? Uh, no way. See? Damn it, Nick. So it's uh, your, um, it always, like always a day late and a dollar short. It, it looks like somebody hasn't updated it for this year, but somebody definitely has has done it before, and they had like a whole, a whole little site, and they have a Twitter feed on it. Oh, it is! I just typed it in. Is it SharkWeek.com? And it says yes. Yes. Well, there you go. Well, that was another good idea that has been uh, already executed on. Story of my life, brother. Story of my life. Like that, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, next week on the show, I don't know who we're going to have yet. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of amazing folks that we're working on, so I'm not I'm not certain, but it will be somebody fantastic. Thanks, as always, to everybody uh, for listening to Social Pros and for telling your friends, and we see all your tweets and uh, your reviews on iTunes, etc. That is very fantastic. It keeps us happy. Uh, Jeff, thanks, as always. Jenny, thank you very much. You were terrific. Nick Cicero, thank you for being part of the show as well. Until next week, I am Jay Bear. This has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to Cision, Janray, XPN, and Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company.